0: unemployment. Yeah. I mean I feel like that's going to start happening a lot more now. I've yeah. Headed
1: into like another shutdown. Headed into another shutdown. It's the end of the year, so for a lot of people it's the end of the fiscal year and they ain't got no money, honey. And yeah, it it happens. Shit happens. If it's happened Life to you, you're not alone. life of the unemployed not even a freelancer because i i once was not a freelancer when i was a young warthog um
0: but yeah anyone has any leads on a uh, a digital position email (laughs) crimeculturepod (laughs) at gmail.com caitlin's resume is in the past Hundred and fifty six. How many episodes? One hundred and sixty episodes.
1: Is this one sixty? I don't know. Math is not I one of her special skills. Out. Neither is memory. <laughs> yeah, pronouncing things. Lajala. Um, Don't even go there with Eight, me. Don't even pats. go there. Eton Pates. And you want to know something? Right now, my phone is really on the fritz. We've kind of talked about this, and so I've been trying to like keep my friends updated about this because like the other day it changed my first name caitlin for those who don't know um my name is caitlin that's Haley. this is crime culture hey Um, we haven't introduced (laughs) the podcast in a couple that's why i said that i was like well wait a minute um but so it changed my name to kai feng k-a-i-f-e-n-g and i was like that's new gonna go right down to city hall to get that changed but then another day it tells you you gotta do it i've got to do it it's it's the truth at this point but then it also changed my last name to maga like that maga yeah and i was like i'm a blue-eyed blonde but not that blue-eyed blonde like (laughs) i'm very far removed from that whole thing like so she's on the fritz but the other day i said i said to michael um or like we'll be eating mashed potatoes or something i don't know i was trying to make mashed potatoes tonight and spoiler alert it didn't happen uh, my dishwasher is broken and it's not happening um you don't make mashed potatoes in the dishwasher no i know i don't all right i'm not a cook <laughs> and i know i'm not a cook but i know that much no i got really concerned for you <sighs> no because i was gonna make them in the instant pot and then we had to wash the instant pot pot which is fun word to say and pot, pot. Pot pot. And then the dishwasher, I went to unload the dishwasher today and I was so proud of myself because for once I was actually unloading the dishwasher without needing to reload the dishwasher and the dishwasher is flooded with brown water. And I was like, guess what? We're not having tonight. We're not having mashed potatoes. I'm going to drop another truth bomb on you. You're born with two dishwashers attached. I'm not sticking to the my, my hands in arms. there right now. Yes, but I'm not sticking my hands in there right now because like something with tentacles is going to come up and grab me. Like, it's disgusting. I will send you a picture after this. Fun. It's, it's, this is it's, what it's like to be an adult, people. Yeah. Unemployment, broken dishwasher, no mashed potatoes, Kaifeng MAGA. Um, yeah. But so it, it did, though, long story for a quick little sentence, change, like, eating or whatever it is to Aton. And I was Great. like, oh, now you know. Now you know how to say Aton Pates. But before, yeah. no, 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 no. So, anyway. we will not be a ton in mashed potatoes, and therefore, our milk and our cream are going to go bad. Just down it, just fucking take I've it. I've been to the eating face. a lot of cereal for the past few days. That's good. I mean, yeah, I like cereal, but also, the cereal to milk ratio is something that I am very passionate about, and therefore, this milk is going slowly. All right okay well what are we talking about this week <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know besides my dishwasher and my phone and my, my life, life problems updates. and yeah oh Haley's yeah real quick bridesmaids real quick are getting before shoes we start uh,
0: somebody i mean thank you again everybody for sending me their cats because i love them Wait, I uh, somebody cats. sent me i want to say i i'm not looking at it right now but it was a hamster or a gerbil or what? something also
1: perfect send me all of your pets if it has to see them if it if it's fluffy looking or if it's bald like one of those naked cats like please just send it
0: yeah the naked cats kind of scare me a little bit i like when they're kittens they're kind of cute but
1: um (laughs) i don't know i don't like that i don't like the skin the only problem i have with them are those pictures where they're sitting like human beings and they've got like those lumpy bodies those lumpy torsos but i think i only have a problem with that because it's like looking in a mirror yeah i was gonna say like i see myself in this picture and i don't like it (laughs) caitlin i'm sending you my nudes like in privacy jeez yep just one bald pussy
0: (laughs) (laughs) too much what are we talking about this week we're
1: talking about a really fucked up murder yeah great this is a perfect way to start it great segues am i right it would be worse though if we were talking about like revenge porn or something like that based on the conversation that we just had so think about it also we're good i don't
0: really want to talk about that that's 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 too heavy people listen to this during their commutes
1: i mean we've talked about some heavy shit Haley. that's true i was uh, like we talked about children dying we talked about animals dying my next
0: episode i'm gonna do a trigger warning early for my next episode (laughs) i didn't th- i mean obviously the topic is uh horrible once you hear it but i didn't know that the details were as bad as they were okay.
1: so strap in to that
0: but that's next week
1: yeah you guys can skip it i can't yeah so that'll be fun looking forward fun. to that it's better to it's like a nice little cocktail with the crippling depression and then getting some fucked up true crime on top of it as like a little you know, a little it's cherry. Yeah. So, um, begin. Jump right in. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Daniel T. Broderick third was born on November 22nd, 1944, to parents Yolanda Broderick. There is that word again that I hate. Nay, nee, nye, no. Nee, nee. I don't know. Gordon.
0: Don't look okay. at me like
1: that. Um, and Daniel Broderick Jr., a, formal naval, a <laughs> former naval officer and lumber wholesaler. He was one of nine children raised in Surprise, an Irish Catholic family. Um, I love it. Th- once they said nine children, I was like, oh, know what they are. And they were raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And Dan entered the pre-med track at Notre Dame in South Bend. His dad was actually the first person in his family to go to college and he went to Notre Dame. Okay. And all of the boys in his family, I forget how many, but there were at least there were more than three. Okay. All of them went to Notre Dame as well. It was like a thing. Wow. Fighting Irish. Um so yeah, so he went to Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana. And in the fall of 1965, when he was a senior, he met 17-year-old Elizabeth Ann Bisceglia. Bisceglia, I don't know. Allegedly, it's Irish. I don't know how that happened, but um, but she went by Betty, and she was there visiting a friend for the football game that weekend. And Dan apparently turned to his friends and told them that she would be his wife. Sounds like a fairy tale,
0: Caitlin. Doesn't sound like we're talking about
1: a true crime
0: story here. It sounds like Lifetime.
1: The good, like
0: the holiday Lifetime. Oh, I was going to say, it's
1: about to get real Lifetime.
0: (laughs) Not the, and then that's when she snapped Lifetime.
1: Mm. Okay. Uh, All right. So, like Dan, for some background on Betty, she was also born into a large Catholic family. Um, She was one of six children born on November 7th, 1947, in Brooklyn, New York, to Marita Biscaglia, Biscaglia, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I went to college with somebody who has that last name, and like, I was in many classes with them, and I still don't know how to pronounce it, like, this is sad. That's all right. Um, and speaking of things I can't renounce, pronounce, Nye, Nay, Nay, I don't know, Nay Nay, uh, Curtain. easy, that one was easy, All right. and Frank Biscaglia, Biscaglia. Um, a World War II Air Force veteran who was the CEO of the successful contracting company founded by his father. So two fathers who followed in the footsteps of their fathers and yada Um, The family lived a pretty comfy lifestyle in the Manhattan suburb of Bronxville, New York in interviews conducted in 1988 by the San Diego Reader for a story that actually was never published because Dan threatened legal action. Um, oh. Yeah. But then they did publish it in a an abridged capacity, but okay. we'll get we'll get to that as to how that came to be. If Dan was like, I'll sue. Um, so Betty said of her upbringing quote We had country clubs and cars. My mom's real social, so we had lots of clothes and designer things end quote. So truly grew up in the east coast. And if you can hear munching, that's not me. That's my cat. Unfortunately, I cannot chew and talk at the same time. Well, but I still try. Okay. I love them. Um, oh, I do too. They're very they're very sweet, and they got a new cat feeder today, and they're fucking terrified of it, but also it opens up a little hole and spits out food as opposed to good. Yeah, them reaching under and borderline fingering food out of the cat feeder and then breaking it like they did with our past three.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Uh, But yeah, so after high school, Betty attended the private Catholic Women's College, Mount St. Vincent, in the Bronx, New York. And she studied English. And Dan happened to be going to Cornell University's Manhattan campus to get his medical degree. And basically, as the story goes, he kept, like, sending her notes, sending her telegrams, like calling all this other stuff and like asking her to go out with him. And she was like, you're, you're a nerd. And he was like, but like, please. And she was like, you're a nerd. And then at some point something clicked. She realized that he was going to be a doctor and was like money. Got to get that money. Money. So their paths crossed again. And two months after she received an accelerated degree in december 1968 betty and dan became engaged oh Aww. Aww. little ditty about betty and dan this doesn't um, sound like it's gonna
0: go horrible at all
1: no i mean jack and diane went great so they were married before the decade was over in april 1969 and started their family right away with two of their four children kim and kathy lee being born over the next two years Soon after Kim was born, Dan earned, earned his MD, but he was pretty dissatisfied with the medical field and decided to change career paths and enroll in Harvard Law School. Mm. Betty not only supported him emotionally and financially, but she also took on the sole task of raising their children while he studied. Damn. Yeah. So, and and also she was pregnant with her second child during some of this, let's not forget. Second or third? Second. Okay. She They have Kim. He goes, mm, I think I want to be a lawyer. And so then they move to Massachusetts so that he can go to Harvard Law. What? Like, it's hard? And then she pops out another one, the Irish style. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Betty also said later that Dan would demand that she tailor and monogram his white coats while he was in med school. Though Dan vehemently denied this. The world will never know. Uh, After graduating. like something a dude would say. Yeah. And plus, they got married in the late 60s. Be like, bitch, aren't I doing everything else for you? Literally everything else. <laughs> Creating their child, feeding their other one, and all the other shit that comes with it. Running the house, paying for things. In a suburb of Boston, no less. That in and of itself is just yeah. challenging. But yeah. So... Dan ended up graduating from Harvard Law, passing the bar exam, doing the whole, the whole shebang. And so the couple moved across the country to an affluent San Diego suburb that may sound familiar to some of you, very familiar, in fact, because it's La Jolla. It's La Jolla. It's fucking La Jolla. And I was like, uh, God fucking damn it. All right. You know what? It's been what? 150 something episodes? La Jolla. Pronunciation is not on my resume, everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. So there Dan put his degrees in medicine and law to good use and became, and I thought this was actually quite smart, a medical malpractice attorney. Yeah.
0: I mean- if you're going to spend most of your life in school, you may as well take a job that's going to help you pay for all those loans. I mean, right. it was the 60s, well, so yeah. I'm sure he yeah. went for like a nickel and a he nickel was and the smack on the ass.
1: True, true. Uh, but I just thought also, like, that's that's so, like, making use of the MD and the JD. And I was like, yeah, you know yeah. what? You go, boo-boo. So he became a medical malpractice attorney for the San Diego law firm Gray, Carey, Ames, and Fry. And there he continued to rise to prominence until he decided to establish his own successful law firm. And around this time, he also became president of the San Diego Bar Association, which is like, hoi-toi-toi-toi-toi. So overall, the Brodericks seem to be living the idyllic, happy, like, June and Ward Cleaver life. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, Dan was earning one million dollars per year, which is the equivalent to about over two point six million dollars a year today. All right. Um, which is a nice smack in the face for somebody earning approximately one dollar a year right now. Um, and that is that is in rebates, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> that is in the coupons I get in the mail. Um. So Betty was the picture-perfect mother and housewife. She would take her kids to music lessons and sports practices, maintain their five-bedroom home with a pool in the backyard and impeccable landscaping. Um, Fun fact, that would have been nearly worth $800,000 today. Damn. Yeah, they were living it. Um, And then she also did shit like planning their busy, high-profile social calendar because they they ran in... Big circles or whatever the fuck you say when you're in a important high society. Yeah, sure. Whatever the fuck. Paris Hilton, help me out. So, society page columnist Burl Stiff, which is his real name, I hope, um, later said of the couple, quote, they both were almost central casting for early Yuppie. He always looked straight from polo. She always had very pretty clothes, Oscar De La Renta and the like, end quote. However, there were plenty of things Betty didn't have, like money of her own, or even a bank account of her own. Oof. Um, or a maid to help her do the housework. Um, I'm not sure how accurate this is, but... Basically, she had no control over anything except how clean the house was. And taking care of the kids, presumably. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan was completely hands-off with the kids, allegedly. Um, So... Betty has long said that the couple was happy until Dan became obsessed with his status amongst California's legal elite and was so hands off with the kids that he didn't really know much of what was going on as a family unit or even like what to expect. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he, he like if he was left alone with the kids, like one time when my mom was having my brother, my dad made me spaghetti and when I tell you it was the saltiest motherfucking spaghetti I've ever had in my life, and I couldn't eat it. And I was three and I knew that, and I was like, oh, this man has not spent enough time with a child. I was three when I knew that. Yeah. He has, since, he has since come a long way, but he also fed a small child with acid reflux buffalo wings. So he's since come a long way. <laughs> <laughs> so that's about where... Dan is worse than
0: that. <laughs> Well, I mean, and that was also like pretty typical for the time, right? Are we still yeah. in the
1: seventies? Seventy, yeah, yeah. So it was very much. Well, like, no, just kidding. We're in. The, well, we we were in the seventies. In one sentence, we will no longer be in the seventies. But
0: still, it's still the age of like I'm going to work, and you're staying you could, home, June. I mean, if you have that many kids, yeah. Keep dinner warm. Yeah. Don't wait there up. There was there was just a lot of, a lot expected of women and i'm sure a lot expected of uh women married to high high profile profile men like that yeah
1: yeah um so yeah so in 1983 betty began to suspect that dan was having an affair with his building's 21 year old receptionist turned personal assistant linda culcana Ooh. A former Delta Airlines flight attendant and paralegal from Salt Lake City, Linda was described by friends and family as a funny extrovert who loved to entertain people around her, whether she was acting out flight safety instructions in the living room or reenacting scenes from Peter Sellers movies during dinner. Mm. Basically, Dan was like, I don't need a personal secretary at his law firm and shared it with the other lawyers at his firm. Or shared like a group of secretaries or whatever. Yeah. Then he saw Linda and was like, you know, <laughs> I think I need a personal secretary. Yeah.
0: Now that now that I see uh, a hot, young 21-year-old.
1: Blonde, spelt 21-year-old, former I flight I attendant. Help now. I, I think I do need that help now. I think I do need her Maybe she can help to, me with my wiener. I, I was going to say help me deplane, but that's better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, land on the tarmac, so to speak. Um, so, yeah... Betty was not happy. Um, She confronted her husband about the affair a few times. However... was was there proof of an affair, or was she just, like, guessing? Well, so first she was like, your assistant is pretty, and you're being distant, so when did you start fucking her?
0: Putting together, Mm yes. Okay.
1: And he was like, Don Draper, no way, Jose. But Mm -hmm. then, so I didn't include this in here, but allegedly one day she uh, on his 39th birthday she went to his office to surprise him to like i don't remember take him out to lunch or something and inside his office there were remnants of champagne with two glasses one of which was clearly not his Uh um chocolate mousse um some something else like glitter or some shit or whatever it is that like men sleeping with their secretaries in the seven in the 80s tad but like it was red very lipstick clearly, on his collar <laughs> yeah like shit like that like he smelled like chanel number no. five like it it was very clear and he was not there and then one of the other secretaries was like oh yeah he and linda haven't been in pretty much all day Ooh. and then she was Send like them down the river bye um and you and you can't tell me that that other secretary did not know what she was doing but anyway yeah 100 percent and I love her for it. So hang on. I don't know how I did this, but I just opened up a new track. <laughs> oh, oh Lordy. I want to know if I'm still going. Oh, shit. Am I still going? Hang on. Somebody's yelling at me right now going, yes, you're still going. I'm still going. <laughs> Sorry, we'll cut that out. All right, Elliot. What time was that? Let's see. I see 22. 22. I will call it twenty-two fifty. I'll write on my notes for why I deserve a job. I wish I was kidding. Why I'm the best person. Why I'm the right person for the job. I have to give myself pointers. That's all right. Um, so go back. Yep. Yep. But yeah, like God bless that secretary. Like she knew what she was doing. You can't 100%. tell me she didn't know.
0: Yeah. You you can't be like like philandering around the office and like pretending people other people don't
1: see you or that they're gonna have your back yeah you're making a million a year buddy that don't mean shit to the people that are making what 20k yeah um so yeah so betty confronted her husband a few times about the affair but he would just gaslight her and tell her and everyone else that she was crazy however a few weeks later dan came home with a brand new red corvette and betty bought books about midlife crises So, (laughs) Um, even then, though, she wasn't worried about her marriage. Uh, She later wrote, quote, this was just a phase, a bad time, too stupid to be true. That girl had nothing on me. I am prettier, smarter, classier. She is a dumb, uneducated tramp with no background or education or talent. He'll definitely get over it, end quote. I should point out, she didn't write this while this was happening. She wrote this many years later, but she's still living in that time. Uh Uh-huh. Or so the writing suggests. So in this interview that they both had with the reader, Dan denied some of Betty's claims about, like, where and when his relationship with Linda began. But he did admit that during their marriage, which he described also as having, quote, real incompatibility problems, end mm. quote, which is like, can okay. you imagine? Can you imagine? Um So, he said that he was, quote, far from the kind of good, loving husband I could have been, end quote. Which is, like, okay. Mm -hmm. Take some accountability. However, because somebody can't even take more than an iota of accountability, he also said that Betty began asking for a divorce almost immediately after they got married. And continued to do so throughout their marriage, saying, quote, there were requests demands for divorce hundreds of times i'm not exaggerating end quote uh two things
0: one was there a prenup that like as soon as she got married she knew like no matter what i'm getting the fuck out of
1: this and i'm getting money interesting theory interesting theory no like i will say she married him for love and okay. he was very sweet, like they started, but off as soon really great. as the paper
0: like the the ink wasn't even dry on the marriage license, and she's like divorce, like, kind
1: of, not quite, that but it doesn't you're sound no right. no, 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 it doesn't sound right, but, but also a wait, why wait,
0: point number two, why would you want to be married to somebody who's constantly asking for a divorce, like why, why, why you could know. just be the bachelor, you could be the rich bachelor <laughs> dude, and like fuck your twenty year old uh A secretary, like... But where's the
1: thrill if you're not already married to your (laughs) 30-something-year-old wife? (laughs) Um, But to answer your question, so according to Betty, soon after they got married, they went to the Caribbean on their honeymoon and, like, immediately... Well, for one thing, in, like, the little cabana or wherever that they were staying, he immediately dismissed the maid on duty and was like, we don't need you to come back. Uh And so Betty said, quote, um, Betty said that she began to feel trapped in the marriage based on Dan's expectations of her. Basically, like, he stopped being the Dan that she had known for the past three years, like the second the ring was on the finger. And Uh she said, quote, he had the idea that the wedding changed everything. He let the maids go at the honeymoon house. I was supposed to cook and clean, end quote. Okay um so he had her like he would not let her hire a maid he would not let her like pay any of the bills he knew how much money was coming in and out and she couldn't interrupt him while he was studying she had to take care of everything including the finances while he was studying in terms of like bringing in money um but
0: but, uh up until the wedding he made it seem like they were going to have maids and they were going to have
1: a fairy tale like yeah, he yeah, was yeah. asking her to marry him every day of the three years they were together before they got engaged yeah um so she did want out but then literally hello irish catholic found out she was pregnant like right when they came back from the honeymoon because the irish do a lot of things wrong but they can get pregnant like that Um, so she opted to stay in the marriage because she was a mother-to-be in the 60s, granted Uh the late 60s, but still the 60s, and how was she going to, remember, this is also a time when I don't believe women had, um, employment rights to do with pregnancy yet. Uh Um, so, like, meaning your employer, once you started to show could very well be like are you fat or pregnant because if it's pregnant you're fired yeah um so she opted to stay in the marriage and then she got pregnant again and then she just got in to and also she her job was raising their kids so that means for that amount of time she was not working she was not employed and being out of the workforce for that long can make it hard to get back in. Yes, and then they moved across the country to California, where all of her family and friends were on the East Coast. Yeah, exactly. So she didn't know anybody. He had his network of, like, lawyer friends. She knew their wives. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? She didn't have anything that was hers. Yeah. But eventually the time did come to divorce, albeit slowly. And Betty did not... All of a sudden want to divorce. She refused to cooperate. Um, in September nineteen eighty four, we're gonna we're gonna start this off here. It's a quick little timeline. The Broderick family moved into a large rental home when Dan discovered a hairline crack in the foundation of their home, which needed to be repaired immediately and was going to be like a long, expensive, like big process. They could not live in the house. Yeah, foundation problems are no joke. Well, especially in California, where, like, we're shaking and pollen exactly. all day. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then a few months later in February 1985, Dan left Betty, told her he wasn't happy anymore, swore up and down that he wasn't having an affair, he just wasn't happy, and moved back into the house with the f- cracked foundation. So she, oh, so okay. he left her and the four kids in the rental. He moved back into their house, house. Yeah. Um, and Betty was convinced that he basically planned the whole thing just to get her out of the house. Okay. So she responded by, I wrote leaving. Leaving isn't the best word because when you have a child crying and clinging to you, begging you not to do this, and you say, tough, I'm leaving. That's more abandoning. Yeah. So she abandoned each of their four children, Kim, Kathy Lee, Danny, and Rhett, on Uh the doorstep, one at a time, over the course of a few months. First it was Kim. Then a few weeks later, it was Kathy Lee. Then about a month later, it was Danny. And then about a month and a half later, it was Rhett. Okay. Danny was Rhett is the youngest, and Danny was maybe like 10 or 11 at this time okay maybe a little bit younger so like the the girls are a little older the boys are young and they yeah. were very attached to their mother and she just peaced she out did
0: fucking everything for them
1: well yeah and she but she left them there and like to the point where kim apparently was dropped off and her dad wasn't home and she had to like sit there and wait until he <gasps> showed up yeah that's terrible yeah um because again we don't have cell phones He's off living the bachelor life. So how would he know that he's suddenly got a kid at home? Um, But yeah, so Betty basically said that she refused to raise his children while he was fucking someone else. And she wanted him to have a come to Jesus moment. Exactly. But she wanted him to have a come to Jesus moment of how hard it was to raise the kids and what she's doing and how wonderful she is. I can understand that to a point.
0: But you also have to realize that, like, this is not a pet. Even if it was, yeah. it'd, be, it'd be cruel if it was a pet too. Yes. But like, these are for human, human beings. beings. Yes. Yeah. Like, you well, can't just say like, oh, they're your fucking problem now." It'd be
1: like, "Yeah, I was a problem. I'm your child." Yeah. Well, and that's <laughs> like, kind of how helped. it was. Like Kim, for example, Kim and her mother did not get along. Um, but also, she was like a teenager, and you know how that shit goes. Yeah. Um, but apparently, like the whole way it went down was she asked her mother if she could drop either drop a friend off at their house or drop her off at a friend's house. I don't remember what the deal was, and her mother was just like, "That's it. Come with me," and that's how she dropped her off. Ew. She was like, "I'm not fucking doing this anymore." And um like the it was all something very similar with the other kids. Um but like also, yes, they're human beings, but also they're not pawns. Do not use your children as pawns.
0: And yeah, people really still do this. Up. It
1: doesn't matter what era we're in. Everybody seems to use their children as pawns, except for, like, you know, the good parents.
0: Yeah. Keep your divorce between you and your partner. And yep. And don't let your children pay the price for your shitty decisions. Yeah.
1: So by, like, April 1985, all of the kids were living in, or maybe even May 1985, all of the kids were living with their dad. Um. Betty then returned to the house when nobody was home a month later in June and proceeded to spray paint the rooms and the fireplace black, shattered the mirrors, and furiously crossed Dan's face out of family portraits, like big scribbly X's. Oh, shit. And burned his clothes on the front lawn. Oh! We would not be that neighbor 0 to 60, uh, right? Right? They lived in like a nice community. Of course. like the the most scandalous thing that's ever happened well that and like you know you know the type like their neighborhood had a name yeah like that's how like nice it was like my grandma lived in in an area like that and the neighborhood across from hers was sherwood forest of course it was and as a little girl who thought that fox robin hood was a little too handsome i was into it um (laughs) but we all have been there right yeah right (laughs) i was very young to be fair um, I know better now. And my taste has since changed quite a bit. I don't I think don't Ginger's know. anymore. I don't know. Michael, Michael kind of has the <laughs> He's a Hood, foxy Fox guy. Type. He's yeah. a foxy dude. <laughs> 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 Whoa, we're back in the 70s. Um, so by September of that year, Dan had assumed full custody of his children and filed for divorce, kicking off what would be a bitter four-year divorce trial And actually to the point that the LA Times actually said that this was known as San Diego County's worst divorce case at the time. And then it became relatively infamous in the United States because of the common but frequently unaddressed plight of women who would work to make their husband successful, support them while they were pursuing their graduate degrees or their professional degrees or what have you, only to be abandoned and get like shit settlements out of it once everything was successful and they got a little older
0: i don't know because it seems like it seems like it's a slam dunk for him because she just straight up abandoned their kids and was like i'm not fucking doing this anymore and then she broke into his house and their house their yeah their house it was probably in his name yeah and broke all of the shit and burned his clothes like that seems like she's fucking unhinged That seems
1: like she's unhinged.
0: A little bit. Oh, honey. Oh, God.
1: Oh, honey. Oh, dear. Well, first of all, this whole scenario also made me think of Jeff and Mackenzie Bezos. You know, Mackenzie Bezos, who supported her whole fucking husband as he became literally corporate Satan. And Uh then he was like, peace. I'm going to date a child now. Um, She turned out great, though. I will say. Totally on her team. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so then the old song and dance that everybody knows so well begins. Girl breaks into boy's house. Girl smears cream pie all over boy's bedroom. Then girl th- throws bottle of wine through two windows and smashes a sliding glass door at boy's house less than a week later after the pie incident. Boy files a restraining order. Girl swings an umbrella through a picture window and smashes a new toaster. Boy files criminal contempt charges. Taylor's tale is old as time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So by February 1986, Dan had had enough. He found a loophole through which he was able to sell the house that Betty fucked up. Um, After she refused to sell it twice, he was like, let's sell this together. And she was like, fuck no." Also, remember, he filed for divorce. Yeah, she was still calling herself Mrs. Broderick.
0: Well, you are allowed to do that. You are allowed to, like, keep the last name.
1: Yes, but she was doing it as defiance. She was not doing it as like like she was not accepting that they were breaking up. Even though she had asked for it multiple times. Yeah, but now she doesn't want it. Ugh. She wanted it on her terms. All right. All right. Um so he sells the house after finding this loophole. Purchases a new house for her to live in and then also purchased a new home for himself, his kids, and Uh-huh. You guessed it. Linda to live in. Oh, well, if she was
0: going to think that it was true, it was happening before. It's true now. Make
1: it happen now.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: Let's see. She's 24 at this point. 25. Oof.
0: Honey, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. She is healthily 40. I don't know if I would get into, like, something like that uh, with somebody that has four children already.
1: And... A batshit crazy wife. You can't tell me that she's not hearing this shit. Of course.
0: Well, now she's validated because she's like, well, I knew
1: that this was going on. Yeah, I don't have a college degree, but you know what I don't do? Spray paint my husband's fucking house and then set his clothes on fire. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. So. man. So. Betty got fucking pissed and claimed that Dan was using his legal influence and connections to be granted sole custody of their children, sell the house against their wishes, and make it extremely difficult for her to find a divorce attorney who would represent her. I would also like to point out, make of this information what you will, Betty hired and fired five lawyers during the divorce proceedings. All right.
0: Sounds like she's not getting her way a little bit
1: i i mean i like again i wasn't there i don't know and i do i have heard of like powerful men using their connections to fuck over their wives and take the kids
0: yeah but it sounds like she doesn't really want custody of the kids anyway
1: so i don't no, see- she did i should say she wanted custody of the kids but she wanted custody of the kids while living with her husband and not being divorced and she wanted him to see how hard she worked and how she gave up everything and she was the perfect wife, perfect mother, and therefore she 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 had a right to the marriage. It wasn't just that like she loved him. Who fucking cares about that? It is her God given right. She to wants to prove a point and have be him married. Say sorry. Yeah. And and leave Linda and see the error of his ways. Yeah, Um. because she's better than her in every way. And she's prettier and smarter and skinnier, though. I will say, and this is not I'm not negging her or anything. She did not have a lot of that by the by the end of these divorce proceedings. During the course of the divorce proceedings, she gained 60 pounds and well, could no longer time. fit. Yeah, well, and she could no longer. But like that will play a role later. Like she became the woman or she slowly be like unbecame the woman that she was like marketing herself as why he should stay you know Mm, what I mean mm -hmm. like I'm prettier than her I'm richer than her I'm smarter than her I'm this I'm that I'm saner than her all of these things very quickly begin to dip unravel yes so because of this Betty also believed that Dan cheated her out of what she believed was her rightful share of his earnings and assets, and to this day, she believes that Dan's leverage over her in the seemingly endless court proceedings that he threw at her was his way of abusing her. He couldn't really hurt her in any other way, so that's how he hurt her, was draining her time and expenses and everything in legal fees. Yeah, yeah. Um I'm not sure how I what I think of that. I think Dan was a shit dude, but I don't think I, I don't know about all of the proceedings, but I don't think the ones that I do mention here were unwarranted, as we'll get into. Mm-hmm. So, as the divorce went on, with Betty refusing to settle for anything less than literally half of everything, like you think of it, half. Like, she's going to go straight up like King Solomon saw the baby in half. Like, she wants it split. Uh Uh-huh. So, Betty has reached her wits end at this point and is becoming increasingly hostile and unstable, like, more than smash the mirrors and the windows and burn the clothes. Uh Uh-huh. In an interview with the LA Times, Betty told journalist Amy Wallace, quote, I have never had emotional disturbance or mental illness, except when Dan provoked a disturbance. End quote. Okay. So she began acting out, uh, vandalizing Dan and Linda's new house, defacing court documents by writing God where Dan's name would have been, like crossing out Dan's name and putting God. Weird. Um, okay. And even <sighs> remember when you thought that burning his clothes were crazy was crazy. Oh God driving her car through the front door of their new house while the kids were home.
0: That's unhinged. Yep. That is decidedly... Like, your children are in that house.
1: Right? Like, I know that husband is public enemy number one and his his little woman is public enemy number two, but, like, you've got kids in the house! Get a stink bomb from a joke
0: shop and, like, put it in his car. Or replace... Replace his shampoo with like, uh... what did they like, do in John Tucker?
1: <laughs> yeah, put replace his protein shake with estrogen powder or whatever it was. Yeah, like,
0: like do petty shit like that. I mean, don't do that. But like, if you're gonna do something terrible, make it like something like that. Not saying that like make
1: it movie worthy. Don't make what it if one like of the kids was right Tyler by the front Perry door. Ex- well, and that's exactly the thing. Like the children were home like you don't know where they are you don't know like and imagine like again some of the kids are little yeah that's super fucked up lady it's terrifying on, get it it's together. terrifying so and she's never had many ever had any mental illness okay yeah allegedly yeah so furthermore betty would go on like profanic profanity infused like alec baldwin dustin hoffman level rants uh-huh about Dan and Linda either in the presence of or on the phone with her children either way the kids were present sometimes yeah, yeah. they weren't active participants up. in the conversation but yeah don't talk shit about your kids parent in front of your kids like i mean don't 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 please don't it's so uncomfortable take it from somebody who has been on that end um, yes, I'm talking about Felix. Michael talks shit about me in front of Felix. No. Um, clearly I've been on that end in a different capacity. Just please don't do it. It's very difficult for the kids. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So Betty would go on these hateful tirades about Dan or, as she affectionately referred to him, fuckhead. Um, to her small <laughs> okay. children, but to her small children also. Danny Great. is 11 at this time. Um, and Rhett is younger and especially linda uh saying in one recorded phone call quote i'm sick of the cunt answering the phone and not writing my messages through for keeping my children away from me on two christmases and two birthdays is the cunt allowed to be around you where is the cunt oh it's not time to come over and screw him yet huh Oh, she's with her family. I wonder what her family thinks of her fucking her boss who's married with four kids. End quote. oofa She is saying this to her son. I mean, I'm in my late a melody. It's a 45 the C words. The scene still stand makes it. me do it like an eye twitch. Yes. Uh, yes. No, I heard <laughs> I heard the recording and I was like, what did she say? What? Oh, you don't say that. Like, I was just like, like, I, and I think we know by now, like, I'm not exactly the Virgin Mary when it comes to speech here. But yeah,
0: that's, that's a little,
1: that's a little little far, even for me. Um, But so, yeah. So in this same recording, her son Danny can be heard sobbing and begging his mother to stop, quote, saying bad words or you'll never be able to see any of us again, end Aww. quote. The fact and that he knew that and like had to say that is so he fucked up. Said, I, I shit you not. He said it so many fucking times and she just was like, well, I have a right to say bad words. I didn't say bad words for years. And look where it got me. Like she was just very like. He's clearly a child just begging for his mother to stop from the perspective of a child, and she is so far gone that she is not registering any of that.
0: Yeah, and it it also doesn't sound like, as much as you could say, like, oh, I love my children, blah, 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 my children, my children, you're not making any effort to uh, do something to see your children again. Like, you would swallow your pride if it meant you were never going to see your children again, but it doesn't seem like that's the the route you want to take so you know what you at this point you're just being petty and you want to prove a point to somebody move the fuck on he's dating some fucking 24 year old do you think that's gonna work out yeah well go find somebody
1: better like yeah well that's interesting that you say also that's interesting that you say also but we'll, we'll put a pin in everything um but yeah, um he also would cry. Like I'm talking this kid was like sniffling and like at one point he's he's like you know how kids get like hyperventilating sniffing. Yeah and she's like, Do you have a cold? And I'm sitting there like, Does he have a cold? Does he have a fucking cold? It's like like are you? You're not a parent,
0: me? you you can't tell that he's like having like kind of a panic attack?
1: I mean, th- it, there is one cold here, and it's this frosty ass bitch, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Okay, well, um, I audition. I have no I have no tolerance. Um, so he's saying this, and then he's crying, saying that she doesn't care about her kids. You don't care about us, he is saying to her. Just the money and quote, getting her share, end quote. It seems like a very astute child. No, he's literally parroting back to her because I shit you not. She talked about getting her share. I could only. So I I I mean, I'll get into this in a bit. But like she would not fucking stop with. Once I get half, once I get my share, once I get my settlement, yeah. an 11 year old boy should not know once I get my settlement.
0: Yeah, you'd be surprised the things you say around your kids that they retain.
1: Yeah. And I mean, and this kid is just like, he sounds so fucking broken. And he would, he's sobbing, begging her to care about her kids, saying, you don't care about us. You don't care about your children. If you did, you would stop doing this because you're not going to see us again. And she would just laugh at him. And say that it didn't matter how many bad words she said, she was still owed half of everything, and that she wasn't the one dragging things out. It was Dan, because the entire divorce could be settled in an hour if he just gave her what she was owed for her 15-plus years of being a wonderful wife and mother. Mm, That is a mildly abridged quote. of Like, all of this is pieced together shit she actually said to her 11-year-old son. Yeah. Um, I also do think that it's it's fair to note here that Betty was effectively kicked out of the home that her husband and she shared, her family and she shared, because he decided to sell it. But she was given half the money from the sale, in addition to him buying her house. And she was awarded by a judge $12,500 a month in child support, which was then up to $16,000 per month. Okay. And the children are not living with her. Okay. And she is getting this support. Yeah. Which is dumb, but I'm sure. just putting it out there. But I'm putting it out there trying to, like, just paint a clear picture. Betty was also becoming increasingly paranoid. And she would accuse her children of having somebody else with the implication being that that somebody else was Dan or Linda on the line listening in and even coaching them during their phone calls with their mother so like danny is sitting there for example sobbing and saying like you're never gonna see us again if you don't stop like please like just care about us and she's like yeah who's with you right now is your dad in the room is he telling you to say that where did you hear that word where did you learn that i'm like i don't know probably the same fucking place he learned fucking settlement yeah um so here's where it gets We'll start this off how we start off all of these. Allegedly, Betty would tell her youngest son Rhett that if he truly loved his mommy, then he would stab Linda in the stomach. And how old's the kid at this point? I don't know exactly, but he's younger than Danny, who's eleven.
0: Yeah, so he's we're gonna say like eight, nine, maybe. He's maybe younger than presumably that. under double digits
1: that's wow oh yeah okay Okay. uh she also allegedly oh yeah she should because there's more she also allegedly told her sons that when dan and linda had a baby which they were planning on doing they were actively like all right like let's have a kid like we're gonna plan this out they got engaged in 1988 and they were like when this is all over we're gonna get married we're gonna have a kid um she told them that betty that Dan would no longer be their father once he and Linda had their child. How the, how the fuck do you figure that? No, like, but imagine telling that to a small child. Yeah. Like, once the new baby comes, he won't be your daddy anymore. You won't have a daddy anymore. Yeah, that's disgusting. Yeah. Um, and more than once, Betty told her children that she would kill their father. Uh huh. Allegedly. She denied all of this to the LA Times, however, um, and asserted that she was just a quote, mommy tree protecting the little saplings, end quote. Which is also fucking weird because that's not how trees work. Uh huh. Like, at all? Yeah. But, all right. So there's that. But Dan was by no means innocent in all of this either. So rewinding back to when Betty drove the car through the front door, um, Dan had Betty arrested, jailed, and briefly committed to a mental hospital. In court documents, Dan declared that when he opened the car door to pull Betty out, she grabbed a large butcher knife from under her seat, and after a brief struggle, he was able to restrain her like the true white male heterosexual hero that he is. Although Dan was no longer able to control Betty financially, as he had done during the course of their marriage, um, by refusing to give her access to a bank account and all of that other stuff that I said before, yeah. he persevered and found a way to continue financially abusing her by arbitrarily docking anywhere from a hundred to thousands of dollars from her monthly child support payments for anything that he deemed inappropriate behavior. Okay. Um, his rubric went something like a hundred dollars for every obscene word that she used. And while that may not seem like much, let's remember her nicknames for him and Linda. Uh, that she said at least like four or five times in a phone call, a fuck ton of times. um, like, I, I don't remember, but I, I thought I had put this in my notes. Like, that phone call was 40 to 45 minutes with Danny, and that was only one of them. And I could only bear to listen to maybe 15 minutes of it, because it was giving me, like, war flashbacks, because it was bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, So $250 was docked for each time she stepped onto his property without his permission, for every time she entered his house without his permission and $1,000 for every time she took one of the children without his permission. Okay. Betty claimed that one month Dan fined her, quote unquote, so many times that her child support payments amounted to negative (laughs) $1,300. So she owed him $1,300. Yeah. She owed the man making $1 million a year $1,300. So of the court-appointed money she's supposed to be getting.
0: I know they never want to do this, but (laughs) it seems like...
1: They should just get along.
0: (laughs) No, it seems like in in some court proceedings where they were talking about all of this stuff that was going on between the two of them, they should have been like, you know what? The kids need to go to a third party and they need to not be in the middle of this situation anymore. You two need to work your fucking shit out. Either get along... Or, don't see your don't. kids. Yeah, because it, she's driving a car through the house. Mm-hmm. She's lighting clothes on fire. He's uh, docking money for some fucking reason. Like uh, having her seem, committed
1: to a mental institution for seem, three days. Yeah,
0: all of this stuff seems to be egging her on. And you know she's unhinged. So why are you doing this? Yep. Yep. Just yep, make a yep, clean yep.
1: break and give I will her say, some he money. May not have been the only one.
0: Yeah. But it just seems like, why are the kids still in the middle of this situation?
1: Because it's the 80s. Why did it's parents in the 2000s, not that I can think of any, refuse to divorce for the sake of the kids, when it would have been great for the kids if the parents had divorced? Yeah. Um, nobody, like, they claim to think about the kids. Very rarely do they think about the kids. Um so well, this is like an opposite situation of what we were talking about with the Chris Chris yes, Watts case. Yeah. Because he
0: made it seem like oh nothing's wrong, but it was all bubbling up inside of him, and then that's when you murder your whole family. Mm-hmm. And then this is the the opposite of like everything's on the surface, everything's out, everything's yes. out there, and for the world to see. Yeah. So it's it's not like a, you can ask a neighbor. Well, we never would have guessed that it would be them. Really? You saw this yeah. bitch light and clothes Bonfire on fire in the, in the front, front yard? yard, and you didn't think. <laughs> Yeah, so this is the opposite situation. You didn't situation see that gaping of that.
1: Chevy-shaped hole in the front of his Yeah, house. right? Like, hmm,
0: they seem like the what, happiest what happened gobble.
1: there? The remnants I of Christmas a brave card little this toaster year. on the... <laughs> 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 but, I mean, but we're not even done. Oh, um, God, of course not. Yeah, of course not. So whenever she would threaten her husband, and in the notes that I found, it didn't specify whether she would threaten him physically or whether it would just be like you do this i'm taking the kids like you know what i mean yeah so i'm taking that to mean any threat um he would write her cold very succinct compact letters packed with confusing legal jargon basically saying that if she tried to kill him he would make her regret it uh-huh on top of the legal financial and emotional abuse Uh, Their younger daughter, Kathy Lee, no relation to Gifford, said Dan would use words like fat, disgusting, and monster to describe his, at the time of their divorce, size six wife, Betty, when she wasn't around. These poor kids have to hear
0: all this bullshit.
1: I know. What amazes me is that, like, a bunch of them were in healthy marriages. Like, cause I like read a thing of like, where are they now? And yeah, none yeah, of like yeah. one is in California. All the rest are in like fucking Idaho. And I don't blame them. But yeah, right, like, get the fuck out of there, right? But um, but I was like, oh wow, like you all, good for you. Somebody yeah, got, got therapy. Um, but yeah, and even Kim, who did not get along with her mother, she was strictly like not really on her mother's side. But like, can you blame her? She said, "Can I?" Can can somebody get a ride? And her mother dropped her off on her dad's stoop and was like, yeah. wait until he comes home. Um, So even she said that the marriage had pretty much always been a hot, hostile mess because of Dan and Betty's dysfunctional relationship, and that the two would constantly argue and hurl hateful vitriol at each other long yeah. before Linda came into the picture. Uh, she later told the LA Times, quote, Mom was always kind of weird. Mom would get mad at dad all the time. Once mom picked up the stereo and threw it at him. Oh, all right. And she locked him out constantly. He'd come around to my window and whisper, Kim, let me in. That's so creepy and also so inappropriate that she would have to do that. That's not normal. Like, that's not, that's decidedly, like, for example, my mother- No, my father locked my mother out of the house one time, and that was because she brought a nearly 200-pound dog into the family without telling him. And so we had a glass door. He locked her and the dog out of the house and took his—my dad is a very, very tall man—and he took his floor-length trench coat and hung it up on the door so you could only see, like, a foot— below the thing at which point my mother and the dog were both looking up and under into the kitchen <laughs> asking him to let them in but that's the only time that you should be locking your partner out and let me tell you there's a happy ending to the story my father definitely loved that dog more than he loved all of us combined and so therefore they were let that's back in the house <laughs> um
0: but yeah must having to, like, ask
1: your child to like let you back in like that's so fucked up so fucked up um so then Kim also said of her mother, quote, she was always getting all dressed up and at the last minute saying, I'm not going. And <laughs> I hate that personality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she was always telling, and she still, this is still Kim, and she was always telling me they were getting a divorce. She'd say, Who are you going to live with? I was dying for dad to divorce her. I'd say to dad, Just take me the day you leave, end Oof. quote. Can you imagine?
0: that's fucked
1: up yes um and her mother's asking her this thinking like yeah you're, you're gonna, gonna, gonna pick me, me right you're gonna, yeah, gonna pick me you're gonna pick me because i gave all of my best years and that's really what matters it doesn't like i do this for the credit i don't do this for the sake that you're my kid and i I'm mean a parent. i'm i'm just gonna say
0: like your kids don't owe you anything no uh not sh- shit. you choose you chose to have children and mm-hmm. if If you raise them correctly, not even correctly. If you raise them at all, like as good people (laughs) and like in a loving, functional household, then yes, they will presumably take care of you when you're older. But Mm. you know what? It's not. You don't have kids that you have like a little servant or like uh, like built in like healthcare when you get older. Like that's Mm -hmm. not the reason you should be having children. And if it is, then maybe
1: you need to not. Just because the Joneses are doing it doesn't mean it's right for you, um, but yeah. So, Kim or Betty didn't just take out her dissatisfaction with her life and her marriage on Dan, though. Um, according to Kim, she took it out on the kids as well, of saying, course. "quote Lee, which is Kathy Lee. Kathy Lee went by Lee at the time of this, but then when she became a ad- when she when when shit went really down, she decided to go just by Kathy." Um. Okay. So when Lee, I lost my place, I'm fine, Um, totally mentally healthy, I'm here. Um, When Lee, or Lee would always say, your spankings don't hurt me. You know, she was bratty. So mom said, okay, next time you're bad, I'll hit you with a fly swatter. Oof. Lee was out in the yard. Yeah, oof already. Lee was out in the yard and mom went after her with a swatter and the little screen thing came off. So it was just the wire. And she kept hitting her.
0: Oh, Jesus.
1: Lee had big welts all over her legs. I'd grab Danny and hide in the closet. End quote. Okay. This is the woman that you're leaving home with your children all day. Yeah. So soon after the divorce was finalized, Dan and Linda, again, they got engaged in 1988. They finally set a date for their wedding. April 22nd, 1989. I'm going to foreshadow maybe.
0: I'm going to say it's not going to happen.
1: I'm not going to say anything. I don't know what the case is. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. I'm not going to say anything. No, I'm not going to say either way. Okay. So despite the role that she played in ending Dan and Betty's 16-year marriage, Linda did not seem to feel any guilt or discomfort and was not exactly a shrinking violet when it came to confrontation. Then again, she was 20. She had perky boobs. She had blonde hair. She was vivacious. Like, what did she have the, to shrink? The whole about? world's in front of her. She hasn't seen she's, anything. She's dating a 40-something it. millionaire. She doesn't have to ruin her body with children because she's got four right there. Yeah. Um, the world did, is her oyster. <laughs> did she... Was she intending to adopt them, too? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. I do not know the answer. Okay. Um. But, yeah. So, for example, when Betty broke a restraining order filed by Dan and broke into his and Linda's home stole their wedding guest list prior to the wedding linda was weird flex, to but okay right i'm like okay
0: <laughs> bitch you don't know who you're gonna invite exactly like i'm like <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: no what are we gonna do oh god write it down again i guess uh, or i don't know i guess we'll just have to elope um we can remember at least two people on the list we're good yeah. um but yeah so she stole that Linda retaliated. According to the testimony of Betty's housekeeper, Maria Montez, Linda broke into Betty's La Jolla home, quote, without permission, end quote, which, yes, that is what breaking in means.
0: Yeah, yeah. While
1: Betty was out, she said Linda, wa- quote, was already inside Mrs. Broderick's bedroom. When I heard noises, I said, hello, is anybody in the house? And she <sighs> so said, creepy. it's me. I'm a friend of Betty's. I came to see the house, end quote. Because, again, her husband, her ex-husband had bought this house for her. Okay, okay. So, then she left with documents that included the guest list and some of Betty's materials and diaries, which she then returned a few hours later. She came back and returned them. Okay. Um, According to Betty's defense attorney, attorney Jack Early, Linda had entered the home on the same day that Betty received a four-hour notice about the, the home being sold saying, quote, Betty got several phone calls at work, hang-up calls. So she ran home and found out that she had a four-hour notice, as a notice to vacate. Oof. Um, So she ran down to court. During the time she was gone, Linda broke into the house, end quote. Okay. So as the wedding drew closer, Betty continued to harass the couple and threatened to kill them during the ceremony. Not just before, during the ceremony. Oh. We're healthy. They were understandably jet. concerned I, right like that's an eye objective that's all you I have to say you don't have yeah, to yeah like, you don't need a bazooka yeah um but so yeah so they were obviously concerned by this and like to the point that linda said to dan just begged him to wear a bulletproof vest during the ceremony oh jeez. right as if you don't um, have enough to worry about yeah time getting married like planning a wedding we're shedding for the wedding we've got to make sure everything is cute the guest list keeps going missing like we yeah need. right <laughs> so yeah so she she asked him to do this and he also hired a security firm to mon- to guard their marston hills california home and also monitor betty's activity leading up to the wedding day jeez the wedding day comes Betty did not crash the wedding. Wedding went off without a hitch. That's almost creepier. Uh uh Uh-huh. (laughs) Uh-huh. But she did continue to harass her ex-husband and now his new wife, leaving profane messages on their answering machine that included, but was not limited to her fun, cute nicknames for them. Great. Later on, she said that this was actually in retaliation to Linda taunting her. Okay. And Betty claimed that Linda was mailing her facial creams. Like, I'm assuming she meant, like, anti-aging facial creams. Uh-huh. And slimming treatment ads. Okay. Okay. After a few months, Dan had, had enough. Again, um, he keeps having enough. And threatened to file criminal contempt charges against Betty, which proved to be the final straw. Um, Betty kind of saw this as the final battleground and in october 1989 she purchased a gun Ugh. yeah so at 5 30 a.m on november 1st, november 1st, on november 5th 1989 as dan and linda broderick were awake in bed chatting betty entered the house using a key she had stolen from kim She went to Dan and Linda's bedroom and fired her .38 .38 caliber revolver five times, Um, according to an article in the Los Angeles Times by Amy Wallace, quote, one bullet hit a bedside table, another pounded into the wall, but three bullets struck the sleeping couple. They said they were sleeping. She said they were awake later. I don't know what's true um well that's, that's not that's not amy wallace saying that that's me saying that she fired a couple shots before she actually hit them so maybe no, it was like pew, pew 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 yeah so i like yes but they would not have been up and chatting by then it wasn't like yeah. pew good morning honey yeah <laughs> but, um so one but three bullets struck the sleeping couple one pierced linda's neck and lodged in her brain another huh. hit her in the chest A third perforated Dan's back, fracturing a rib and tearing through his right lung, end quote. (laughs) Medical evidence found that Dan had not died right away, and basically his lung filled up with blood, and he suffocated. (sighs) Betty admitted that he had spoken to her after she shot him, saying, quote, okay, okay, you got me, and then kind of like tuck and rolled to the floor, uh-huh. to try to get to the phone that had also fallen to the floor at this point uh-huh. to call 911 um and so he's like crawling towards the phone bleeding out and so she unplugged it and fled the scene uh, okay so he couldn't call the police yeah and Dan and Linda were 44 and 28 years old respectively oh, it God. was only like a couple of it was 12 days before Dan's 45th birthday. Yeah. So Betty's boyfriend at the time, Brad Wright, that's right, Betty has a boyfriend. And not only does Betty have a boyfriend, Betty had been with the boyfriend for a minute. And her daughters would always be like, you are with a man. Why does this fucking matter? But allegedly, Betty was like, because Brad isn't the one doing this to me. His name is Brad, by the way. Um, Of course it's Brad. uh, Nothing can replace Brad um but also basically her both of her daughters were like her reason for getting up in the morning was revenge against dan and linda bitch move on yep but really but brad isn't the one that financially supports her um and brad <sighs> is just going along with it Brad's like, just some schmuck okay yeah, yeah yeah doesn't know he what is. he's getting into it's true um So Brad Wright, Betty's boyfriend at the time, contacted a longtime friend, a family friend of Dan and Betty's that they like met shortly after they arrived in La Jolla and they had been friends for like many, many years, like 20 Uh years at this point. Um, And his name was Brian Forbes. And so Brad expressed his concern to Brian over the phone, um, saying that he received a phone call from Betty's friend, diane black who she had met like they didn't meet in a literal divorce support group but that's kind of how they became friends was because they were both like divorced by their husbands Uh um and diane was saying that betty was claiming to have shot at dan and linda and had considered committing suicide but ran out of bullets and so she called brad out of concern okay forbes and wright brad rushed over to the house together and discovered Dan and Linda's bodies. Forbes checked their pulses and as he testified in court, they had died long before he and Wright had gotten there. Mm. Forbes then called his wife Gail from Wright's car phone and told her to quote, go and get Danny and Rhett and quote, and get them in a safe place, end quote. Yeah. So Gail went to go get the boys. Um, The girls are over the like 18 and over at this point okay um it was actually the forbes who were the ones to break it to the children that dan and linda had been murdered wow yes so horrible that day betty turned herself into the police um didn't try to deny anything after yeah well yeah um But after their father and stepmother's deaths and their mother's arrest for the murders, Kim and Kathy Lee, who were both legally adults, like I said at the time, remained in the San Diego area while their younger brothers, Danny and Rhett, were sent to Colorado to live with Dan's sister, their aunt Kathy, who was granted custody after this whole ordeal. Yeah. Um, The first of two trials against Kathy. uh, (laughs) No, against Betty. Uh um, Yeah, suddenly it's Kathy's fault um we're only just talking about her a sentence ago but already like we know it's her fault oh yeah um so the first of two trials against her began nearly a year later like after the murders in october 1990 um early argued that betty was a battered wife who had been driven over the edge by years of physical mental and psychological abuse by dan who was actually a secret raging alcoholic The State of California prosecutor Carrie Wells argued that Betty was not a battered woman and that the murders were premeditated. Furthermore, um, during the first trial, medical examiner Christopher Swalwell testified about his findings during the autopsies. As he told the LA Times, quote, There was nothing that I found that indicated he was a chronic alcohol abuser, end quote. And he also said that while not all chronic drinkers have visibly damaged livers he said quote mm. the more of an alcoholic you are the more likely you are to have damage his liver looked normal and didn't show any of the changes associated with alcoholism end quote okay dr park Dietz testified that Betty had histrionic and narcissistic personality disorders which like I said if you listen to that phone call she had with her kids you can immediately tell she is a textbook nar- narcissist yeah. like right off the bat. Like it does not take I say it does not take very long to listen. I listened for like 15 minutes like I said like I could not handle more than that. Yeah. And it like you can almost immediately tell because it's just like it it's not with narcissism it's not just like me 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 like defying logic to make it about you. Yeah. Like to the level of like for like random example why do you have a bunch of christmas presents from multiple people under the tree and you're not getting me multiple christmas presents Mm -hmm. like that level of narcissism which is again a totally random example that i have not experienced any time recently um with a narcissist in my own life but ultimately uh the first trial ended in a hung jury with 10 jurors believing it was murder and two holding out for manslaughter saying there wasn't enough evidence of intent to kill so Judge Thomas Jub—no, w- Thomas J. Whalen, don't know where that came from, declared a mistrial. Okay. The proceedings of the second trial began in 1991, and they pretty much went the same as the first. Um, in the first trial, Betty swore that the murders were not premeditated and that she never planned to kill Dan or Linda, and Early corroborated this, saying she only went to the home to kill herself in front of Dan, mm-hmm. which is... Also problematic. Um, yeah. Like, that's not... That's, like, the whole thing, like, when they say tell... A, when you're telling a lie, you should say something embarrassing about yourself because then people are more likely to believe it. Like, I feel like that's the defense tactic they're going for. Um. Like, this is fucked up, but she was actually doing this fucked up thing instead. Uh-huh. So, in the second trial, however, Betty tacked on to this that she had only planned to kill herself... But was startled when Linda woke up, saw her, and screamed, Call the police. And mm-hmm. immediately fired the gun as a knee jerk reaction. Okay. And then, I suppose, she had four other knee jerk reactions after that. Yeah, I guess. Um, like, <sighs> so. That same year in 1991, Betty was convicted of two counts of second-degree murder and sentenced to 30 years to life, plus an additional two years for illegal use of a firearm, which was the maximum sentence under the law for that particular, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? You know the word. Crime. No, not crime. I mean, yes, but... (laughs) Murder? (laughs) No, no, because, like, it... You... Everybody knows the word. Everybody knows the word. We're moving on. Um, Okay. Just nobody look at me. Um, So she's currently serving out her sentence at the California Institution for Women and has applied for and been denied parole two times for being, quote, unrepentant. That's right. When she applied for parole in 2010, her children were split about whether or not their mother should be released. Um, Rhett and Kathy Lee supported their mother's release, with Kathy Lee even suggesting that her mother could live with her upon release. Mm. Telling the parole, keep your fly swatters away. That's all I'm going to tell you. She told the parole board, quote, she should be able to live her later life outside prison walls, end quote. The story was featured on Oprah and Uh Rhett as an adult told Oprah, quote, she's a nice lady. Everyone here would like her if they spoke with her on any topic other than my dad, end quote. Mm -hmm. Kim and Dan, however, disagreed. Um, He goes by Dan now. I think that's so cute. Um, Dan said, quote, In my heart, I know my mother is a good person, but along the way she got lost. Releasing a lost person into society could be a dangerous mistake, end quote. Okay, yeah. Yeah, like, I think that's very well put, especially for, that's got to be a difficult decision to make, to say that to the parole board. Mm -hmm. Um, Betty was most recently denied parole again in 2017, And the parole office said that Betty, quote, to this day, believes in her heart and in her mind that they deserved to die, end quote. Mm. So there goes that accidental shooting thing, I guess. I guess she's finally given that one up. Um, And Betty Broderick will be eligible for parole next, not next year. Just kidding. In January 2032, which is decidedly not next year. No. Um, Although it feels like it. Oh my God! I know. Um, my friend, my friend, got engaged two years ago, like to the day, the other day, and I was like, I can't believe it's been 19 years since you got engaged, and <laughs> yeah, then, right. like 17 of those years were just this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when she's 84 years old in January 2032, that's when she is next eligible for parole. And to get into the pop culture side of things, Betty's case has been the focus of several books, including mm-hmm. one by her daughter Kim titled Betty Broderick, My Mom, the Kim Broderick Story. Um, she basically told the book to... Uh, told She told the book. Um, she told her story to a woman who helped to write it, and that's how the whole thing came to be. And it's seen by many as a more of an unbiased account of the events leading up to Dan and Linda's murder, despite the fact that Kim, like I've said many times, has had a somewhat volatile relationship with her mother uh-huh. growing up. Um, in the book, for example... Kim says that her mother seems to think, here's that narcissism, narcissism. there's that narcissistic trait coming out again because she seems to think that when she gets out of prison, her kids, all of whom she she keeps in touch, Uh will buy her a condo in La Jolla. Cool. My four children, whose father I murdered, are going to pool their money and buy me a condo in rich-ass La Jolla to reward me yeah after i talked so much shit and beat them with fly swatters and well and that's not even all of it like there's other stuff too like kim like i said had a rough relationship with her mother and so she found that she was pregnant when she was 18 years old did not want to have a baby um and she felt she couldn't talk to her mother about it so she went to linda about it and linda was very kind and very helpful and took her to a clinic to get an abortion uh-huh. And like talked her through her options and everything um, was just like like a cool stepmom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Betty found out and she told literally everybody Kim and she knew that Kim had gotten an abortion and she was a slut and all this other stuff. Mm. Like slut shamed the fuck out of her at 18 years old. Okay. All because she went to Linda and not her. Yeah. The kicker of this is, Betty got an abortion after she had had Kim and Kathy Lee because she could not. She found herself pregnant and she could not breathe. She needed to come up for air and could not handle having three kids at that time in her life. Okay. And her husband got pissed, but she was like, "My body, my choice." But we're gonna yeah. we're gonna shame. Kim. Yeah, so this woman thinks that these children are buying her a condo if and when she gets out of prison. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds feasible. Am I right? I mean, I would buy her a condo. Sounds like a load of bullshit. Oh, yes. So still unhinged. Glad to see she's still not there, um, if she was ever. But yeah, it has a 3.52 out of 5 on Goodreads. Um, In 2015, Betty released her own memoir titled Telling on Myself. Okay. In which she shares the story from her perspective. And she says of her life in prison, quote, I am basically happy here. I'm safe. And there's a kind of freedom in that, end quote. And that she is, quote, well treated by the staff and inmates alike, end quote. Yeah, because Mm. they're going to be fucking afraid of you. And also, when she was first admitted to prison, I don't know about now, but given that she's going to be 84 in 2032, so, like, yeah, she probably isn't anymore, but she was, like, considered one of the most dangerous patients they had, or um, inmates they had when she first went to jail. But yeah, so her book has a 4.04 out of 5 on Goodreads. You'd be surprised how many people sympathize and empathize with her. And I can understand, I can understand that, like, point of view, if her husband, like, if she wasn't so awful to her, like, they were awful to each other. It was a mess. They should not have been together. And it, it was a terrible way that things ended, but both of them are complicit equally. Uh-huh. Um, Like, if you're going to feel sorry for somebody, don't feel sorry for her. Don't feel sorry for Dan. Feel sorry for the children. Yeah. Um, Betty has also been the subject, though, of numerous television works including season two episode two of law and order the wages of love and that came out in 1991 while the trial was still going down and also an episode of snapped on oxygen which came out just this past july oh hey yeah um in march 1992 cbs aired a tv movie about the case titled a woman scorned the betty the betty broderick story Betty was portrayed by Family Ties star Meredith Baxter. She played Michael J. Fox's mom. Um, She she actually received an Emmy nomination for her portrayal of Betty. And Dan was played by 7th Heaven Star and Hollywood's resident pedo Stephen Collins. Uh. The movie has a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb. An 88% Google score and a 70 po- 77% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. So overall, like, pretty good reception for the movie. Yeah. Even years later, this came out again in the early 90s. It's been, like, 20, 30 years. It's been close to 30 years. Oh, God, uh-huh. I'm almost 30. Um, whoo, <laughs> breathe. And overall, pretty cool. If you want to judge it for yourself, you can watch it on Tubi or Amazon Prime Video all right however despite the fact that a lot of people clearly love this movie betty hated it don't know how the fuck betty has seen it but she hated it um or at least she hated how baxter portrayed her because in one commentary betty said she probably wanted to play it oh right right like like, i just i don't know man um, she said, "Quote, in one scene I'm in a negligee or something feathery doing my nails, but I've bitten my nails my whole life. Anyway, Dan's on the phone and I say, we can't go to New York because of my manicure appointment." That was never me. According to the movie, I am exactly what Dan Broderick told everybody I was, an unstable, crazy bitch that went around doing crazy things. And Dan and Linda are these simple, innocent people that just want peace. Ha. <laughs> End quote. I'm like, (sighs) go off, I guess. Yeah. Um, there was also another like scene that I just thought was really fucking funny and I I pulled the dialogue from it because it truly like I could not help but laugh because it was definitely like an early 90s movie, but also I wouldn't put it past her. Like, it's textbook narcissism. So Dan it's Christmas, and he goes. I know this isn't the exact ring you asked for, but I thought it'd be more of a surprise. And you know, I kind of like this one better. Uh huh. And Betty goes. You liked it better. And he's like, Well. Ugh. And she goes, Yes, you liked it better. And that's what counts, really. <sighs> I mean, that's what it's all about. You make it. You spend it on what you want. And he's just like, Geez, Bet, it's not. It isn't like it costs anything less. And suddenly, and it literally says in in the notes, Betty Broderick becomes ballistic. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. Exactly. So why not get me what I want? You certainly got what you wanted, even though you had to spend an extra seven grand to get it when you wanted it. And so then her daughter is going, can you guys just cool it? And Dan goes, (laughs) I shit you not, like this movie, like I'm going to watch it. He goes, Fantastic. It's Christmas. If your mom wants to behave like a spoiled brat, let's let her. (gasps) And Betty goes, what kind of person gets his wife a present she doesn't even want? And Dan goes, it's a beautiful ring. And she goes, but it's not what I asked for. So that makes it a piece of crap. And when I tell you, (sighs) I felt like I was reliving Christmas at my house. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, my fucking that's God. Just a little, that's just a little taste of what you will get. Again, to be in prime, my friends, to be in prime. <laughs> wow. Um, so, yeah, I think based on just that one little snippet, I think she was portrayed spot on. Um, but then two years after the murders on November 1st, 1992, so almost two years, but CBS released a second and final installment of the first movie titled her final fury betty broderick the last chapter wow that sounds like like a diehard movie it sounded like it sounded like one of those movies that you make fun of for like having like a million colons in it you know what i mean yeah 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 um but so it focuses on the trial um spoiler alert stephen collins is not in this one because he played dan um Uh but the movie was similarly received, a little bit less, but again, it's a sequel to its predecessor. Um, has a 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb, a 95% Google score, and a 60% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. So not terrible, but not great. And again, it was made in the 90s. Yeah. But if you want to make a whole night of it, you can also watch this one on Tubi and Prime, and you already Perfect. know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. But most recently... Betty's story has caught the attention of a new generation of true crime fanatics once again, as the focus of the second season of the true crime anthology series, Dirty John. Uh huh. Betty is portrayed by Amanda Peet, Dan by Christian Slater, and Linda by Rachel Keller from the, sh- the FX show Legion. Has a 90% tomato meter rating and an 88% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. And the critics' consensus is, quote, although Betty Broderick's sensational story is at times scattershot, Amanda Pete's incredible embodiment of a woman scorned is a sight to behold, end quote. Fun. Right? And I've looked everywhere. You can buy it on Prime, but I refuse to do that. Um, but given that season one is on netflix hopefully season two will end up on netflix soon It it recently came out in the past like few months yeah um but the case has also been covered by my favorite murder and the la times actually just put out a podcast about the case this past spring just like they did with the original dirty john oh okay yeah and that is the story of betty broderick And what a story it is. It really is. And I just want to point out also that Haley is straight up looking at me like Willy Wonka in that one meme where he's like, you don't say. It's (laughs) what a wild tale. (laughs) Honey, that's the abridged version. I know. Like, there's so much more. Jesus Christ. I know. Wow. What did we do to deserve this? I do not know.
0: Um, we are, like, way over our time. Yeah, I know, so, I know, over time and over budget. So uh, much information, but... Sorry, um, I love you. <laughs> our website is crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. Mm-hmm. You can find all the links to our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Message us uh, pictures of your cats. Please, any animal, just please. Yeah. Join our Patreon
1: yes and also shout out to mariah she's a new patreon patron hello. yeah hello and welcome
0: Hello um, and, welcome. and shout out
1: to kim kim very generously and no idea why bumped up her donation love and, it and like people are so kind and also it's a tough time and you have no idea how much it means to see we're going longer but you know it's okay. like you have for the no pa- idea for how the patrons we can go longer it's fine do it for the patrons yeah it's just it's so kind, and you have no idea how much it means and how much we appreciate it because we do know what a difficult time it is. <laughs> do we ever um, yeah and just the fact that you would actually be willing to give during a time with so much uncertainty and strife that really just yeah, oof,
0: and i'm I'm we're so trying kind. to think of of something to do for our patrons, no matter what uh level you're at just because of how shit this year is (laughs) and that too is awesome so um we're trying to think of like cool fun things to do like live streams movie watches uh something stuff like that so anything yeah help you'll you'll hear from us soon yes but in the meantime we will see you next tuesday yes you will hear from us
1: no more for now, yeah, bye. 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 bye.